Hello everyone, this is Strati Papa Giorgio and Father Michael Tischel and we are An Imperfect Imperfect Podcast. Hello Father Michael. Hello Strati. How are you? Good, how are you? I'm better that we're together and that we're in this beautiful... Yeah, we're outside today. We are. Enjoying a beautiful spring day down here in Marietta, Georgia. Here in Marietta, Georgia. The Boyds are chirping. The boy, the Boyds, the Boyds, <laughs> the Boyds, the Boyds. Brooklyn, Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, it's nice. A lot of pollen here. Yes. So, uh, what, what, what do you have for us today? Um, yeah, I, I've got. I printed out a little uh, excerpt from the life of Saint Mary of Egypt. Oh yeah, because the Sunday is. Uh, Correct. It's it a, is commemorates her life, her or life. rather, the you know what she represents as a person who you know lived a certain type of life and then repented totally, and and so the church has it on the what Sunday, the fifth Sunday, or what is that it? sounds right. I believe it's the fifth yeah, Sunday. Fifth Sunday. Watch yeah. somebody tell us. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So what, what do you have for us? I mean, are you going to read it? Or? Well, yeah, I, w- I would like to read this. I'm, I'm excited okay. about it. Yeah. Um, you know, we're talking about repentance right. today and yeah. uh, kind of delving into this question of repentance. And this struck me because obviously St. Mary of Egypt is a model of repentance, an example of repentance, this extreme repent- repentance that you were uh, referring to. Um, and her life in and of itself is a beautiful illustration of someone who can go from just the worst of the worst, the yeah. bottom of the barrel, as it were. Yeah, she um, really was. You know, as far as uh, not only becoming a prostitute, but as the life itself indicates, not even desiring remuneration she was for worse. her deeds. She was worse than a prostitute. Right. She didn't even she do wanted it for to do money. It. Exactly. Yeah. She, it was, she wanted to seduce people. She wanted to experience that. this kind of pleasure. Um, she left the love of her parents it says at a very early age where was she from she was from egypt she was from egypt yes she was from egypt and um she i don't think very much is known about her early life uh but from a very early age she left um to go to the city um to to live this pleasure she was she was she wealthy or that i don't recall whether or not she uh came from much wealth or anything like Mm -hmm. that yeah, um, the life either. of Sophronius has very little to yeah. say about her her background but um, yeah so you know in her vita in her life we encounter first this figure of Father Zosimus right um, and just maybe we could recap a little bit the, the story yeah. um, and then we'll get into this particular excerpt which I think is, is interesting in regards to repentance so we, we meet Father Zosima Father Zosima um, was from Palestine and it says that basically from the moment he was weaned from his mother's breast he was given over to a monastery um, and he lived there from then until the age of 53 so he was like all in monastic virtuous man holy man um, you know uh, did many ascetic labors but then this thought kind of comes to him we hear about which was basically asking is there anybody out there who's more holy more virtuous than i am and 
kind of an interesting thought to have, especially for kind a man of. who was virtuous. Right. It's not like he, he wasn't... Boasting. Yeah, he wasn't deluded. He wasn't boasting. It, the thought kind of just hit him, and it troubled him. Is mm. that, Has anybody reached any greater ascetic feats than I, than mm. I have? And uh, Yeah, th- th- and I just want to sure. talk about that for one second. Uh, well, more than one. But uh, the that, that, that sort of non-boastful thought or non-arrogant thought because I, there's a and kind of leaving this story there's another story where this this man came to an elder and and asked him why is it that more people come to you and and the elder response like from the desert fathers and the elder responded without any arrogant without feeling pride or arrogance because i love god more than you and that's just why I'm more popular. <laughs> Something like that, right. and and, uh, and and that's it. And it's like it's like a a, a, a right. humble, really, yeah. you know. It's like there's humility in yeah. it. I just love that sort of paradox. Again, mm-hmm. paradoxes as yes. we always talk about, where where you know, like normally you don't think of yourself highly, and they weren't. They were just stating a fact. Yes. Is there anybody like you know has done better than me? Right. So that humility isn't just isn't this kind of like forced self-deprecation right. like but it's it's recognizing who i am right right in a very kind of real way just concrete yeah this is who i am yeah i happen to just love god a lot yeah but like not one of those people that put it on their instagram right where i love jesus you know like but like it's just a fact i yeah. love god more than you do it just so happens yeah <laughs> <laughs> right and but it anyway. takes a lot of humility to recognize that right no but seriously that i think that's a very good point and and it, you know, the fact of the matter was, he was raised in this environment. Right. He was, he was, cultivated in a certain way, um, and he really had this question, like, you know, who's out there? Is there anyone out there that could kind of put me to shame in a certain mm, sense? Okay. Um, and and this is, I think, the the question that leads him to encounter this very surprising mm. character, right? Because he meets her in the, in, the, in the wilderness, and we'll get to that in a second. But he is sort of the conventional holy man figure, right? Mm-hmm. He's from a very young age. He was raised in a monastery, pious. pious, virtuous, kind of swimming in the grace and holiness of God. And gets to this point where he's like, am I, have I plateaued? Like, is there any, mm-hmm. you know, am I at the, the, the apex of my, my spiritual life? Um and it's hard for us to believe as you said that you know someone could ask this not from a place of pride but this was a thought that came to him maybe it was a temptation yeah maybe or or maybe it was a good or maybe it was a good thought thought, yeah to lead him to right meeting her exactly it 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 gave him a as they say in greek kali anisihia a good uneasiness right right um and so then he uh receives this message or this vision from an angel who says go out to the banks of the Jordan and there you'll receive your answer mm. to this monastery. So he leaves in a very Abrahamic fashion. He leaves what's familiar to him. He leaves what uh, he, he knows, what he's used to, his, his normal rhythms, the, the holiness of this monastery. And he goes and travels to the banks of the Jordan where he um, asks to be led into this monastery and the, um, the abbot of the monastery responds in a really beautiful way way basically saying look we don't have very much to offer here but 
the Holy Spirit will provide and will teach you what you need to know. And his life there in this monastery, uh, he says, you know, and the biographer says, was an incredible sort of revelation of um, holiness that far exceeded that of his own. I mean, he was constantly immersed in the scriptures, but these monastics were constantly praying in a way that kind of put him to shame. I mean, they were always in church. They were always con contemplating scripture. They were doing all these incredible things, and he really felt very edified by it. But, and, and you'd think, okay, maybe that's the answer to his prayer, right? But it, it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't just end there because not only did he encounter monastics who were much holier than he was, but then it came to be the time uh, at, of the beginning of the great fast, we hear, and the Sunday of forgiveness was being celebrated. The monks received uh, communion. They had a Lenten, a simple Lenten, meal uh, they had the service of forgiveness and then at that time it was their tradition to all disperse into the desert of um, of uh, that region and to um, not mm. to try to avoid each other's presence and company as much as possible so as to avoid the temptation of people pleasing of fasting in order to impress your brothers mm. um, rather than in order to please God yeah, I've heard of that yeah so this very extreme practice, they would go out with just a little bit of bread, um, not knowing if they would come back again. Maybe some of them would die in the desert to face their passions, to face the evil one. Um, and Father Zosima partook in this tradition as well. And it talks about in this little life that he's sort of driven by this desire, this yearning to go farther and farther into the desert, into the wilderness maybe by by chance that he might meet uh, a holy person but he it's this kind of like in, intuitive or instinctual drive that's like sending him out farther out beyond his comfort zone beyond what he knows to be familiar and as he's being drawn out um, he's saying one of the prayers of the hours and suddenly he sees this what he thinks is like almost an apparition it's this kind of dark figure moving in the distance and at first he wonders is this a demonic vision and he makes the sign of the cross and, and he's, he's running after this this figure um, you know in the hopes that it's a holy person but also probably just with this very strong sense that this is why he was called out of his homeland in a certain sense mm -hmm. and he's yelling to this figure stop stop and the figure's running away from him and not stopping until finally he catches up with it not knowing what it is and the figure, you know, yells back, you know, please, Father, give me, you know, I, I don't want to stop because I'm naked and, I, and I'm ashamed of my nakedness. And he realizes that it's, it's a person, not only a person, it's a, it's a it's woman, a woman yeah. who, who is not clothed. And so he throws her his garment. Um, and this is his encounter with who, who we know as uh, St. Mary of Egypt. Um, and it's an incredible encounter. They, they prostrate themselves before one another. Um, here is this old venerable elder hieromonk. How old was he, do you think? Well, so he, he, he left the monastery at 53. Okay. So, yeah, he was, I mean, I'm guessing he was probably in the, somewhere in his 50s, 60s. Yeah. Um, so not old, old, but, but for that time, for that time yeah, life sure. expectancy, right? Yeah. Um, so this venerable hieromonk was prostrating himself before this, you know, half-naked, weather-beaten, yeah. you know, very strange looking woman right. and she was prostrating herself before him and they were both asking each other's blessings <laughs> yeah. 
It's just a very powerful. That actually reminds image. me of a. a we're on an upcoming episode of Chronicles of the Desert. Yes. That will be coming out at some point. Where it's something similar. It's about a woman in the desert. And it's a similar concept where they keep asking each other for a blessing. Ah, yeah. That's beautiful. Yeah. Anyway. So finally, uh, she concedes. You know, first she says, well, Father, you're a, you're a priest and you serve the Eucharist. And, mm -hmm. you know, you should be giving me your blessing. And he's, he kind of convinces her based on her holiness and all that, that she yeah. should be giving him the blessing. And so finally, uh, she says, you know, she gives some sort of simple blessing. And they both say amen and get up and <laughs> get up from prostrating themselves. And, and, and his whole goal is... A, to ask her to pray for him, but also to get a sense of who she was. Yeah. Who is this woman who's out here by herself in the right. desert, and, and what's her story? And that's when she, begrudgingly in many ways, because she's ashamed of her story and, and repenting so deeply of her former life, uh, begins to reveal her past to this man. And she reveals to him uh, that she began her life... Um, that she began her life in this very sensual way, um, seducing people, not even just for money, but just for the heck of it, for, for pleasure. Right. Um, and that she was doing this so much. Um, uh, and she, she was uh, at the port town in Alexandria, I believe, right. at one point, And there were pilgrims who were going to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross. And uh, she ended up deciding that she wanted to join this group of pilgrims for whatever reason, yeah. you know, ultimately perhaps the Holy Spirit in some paradoxical way, slowly drawing her to her place of repentance. But by her reasoning, it was so that she could essentially seduce all of these pilgrims. Apparently she did. And apparently she did saying that, you know, the experience that they had on that ship was like nothing you could imagine. And as far as the depths of the, uh, sinfulness and seduction that took place um, giving herself to these these men who are going on their way to pilgrimage which is just you know the most yeah. kind of perverse thing you could kind think of. of yeah right hard to yeah to stomach right you're um, about to go do something good and you're right this happens yes That's just, yeah it's uh yeah there is repentance thank god right thank god thank <laughs> god Right, so so we and see the, the kind of depths. Right. Not only did she prostitute herself, but she didn't even seek money. Right, and she wanted to seduce people who, who were, were doing good, who were going on a, a spiritual pilgrimage. Right, she so was like, totally. You can't get much worse. You can than that. no, you can't. You really can't. <laughs> you, you really can't. You really can't. <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the flip side, and someone has has uh, has mentioned this about her life is that similar to perhaps like the Samaritan woman we get this sense from the very beginning that she had this very strong sense of life and this strong desire that was just perverted. Yeah. And so it's not like she was, it's, it's, it's different than someone who's sort of just flatlined, you know, kind of like neither intensely perverted or intensely saintly. Right. It's right. like she wasn't lukewarm. <laughs> right. She was, she All was that. really evil, you know, really perverse. Yeah. But that really, not to condone it by any means, but to kind of see how in many ways that intense, that the intensity of her life kind of led her through God's grace and through repentance right. to kind of enter into this intense, positive right, 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 right. Um, 
experience. So it's it's tricky. You don't want to condone it by any means. No, but but it's also that kind of like that sense that the two ends of the spectrum are closer yeah. to one another than well, they I would hope. Yeah. Um, and it certainly wasn't without its consequences in the sense that we see later on she had to go through 47 years in the desert in order to undergo the most intense temptations and kind of effects of her dissolute life um so it's not like you know you we should all follow her imitate her no extreme impassioned life so that we can become so saintly no um she paid the price dearly for for that um that dissolute life but but it, it it does give you this interesting sort of perspective about her personality her character that she was a very she went into everything all the way exactly so she either went into sin all the way or she went into exactly uh, you know seeking right right she was an all-in kind of person right not half-baked not half not lukewarm i get what you're saying yeah Yeah, exactly Mm -hmm. so that's interesting that is interesting um and and this is the person profiling her yeah (laughs) right exactly And contextually, this is the person that Father Zosima encounters as a result of his question, of his prayer, you could say, of trying to meet somebody who was more, who was holier than he was, um, which paradoxically, you know, he, he was kind of born and raised in the womb of the church. Right. She, from a very young age, was being cultivated. Yeah. We don't know anything about her early years, huh? We don't know anything about her early years before 12, but from the age oh. of 12 onwards she was she really? was living this life yes wow. that's what the biographer says um you know sophronius of, of, and the, uh, and and he found it out from zosimus um i think towards the end of the vita towards the end of this biography uh there's a, a brief sort of description of how this was this story was told by zosimus to the monks at the jordan river and then they would pass huh. this down orally right. um, until the time when, I think it was a century or so later, uh, Sophronius actually wrote it down. So I think it was an oral um, sure. tradition. As many of these stories were. Right. That was yeah. then that was then recorded by, yeah, by yeah, Sophronius. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so very interesting. It is interesting. So, so getting back to our story, uh, she talks about how she makes it to Jerusalem after this awful... Um, you know yeah the boat boat ride right um and she gets to the church where the uh relic of the true cross is brought out has been brought out for the feast of of the exaltation of the cross and all of the pilgrims are thronging into the sanctuary and um she goes along with them just to kind of check it out i guess and um and as she tries to enter from the narthex into the nave, from the from the back of the church into the central area, she is she is prevented right. by some force. And at first she wonders, is it because of all the people around me? But she tries again and again and again. And this is where we come to sort of her moment of repentance. And that's what I wanted to zoom in on. And the excerpt that I that I printed out. Um, kind of zooms in on that moment of repentance. So if you'll allow me, I'll just read from the direct life um, written by Sophronius. Go ahead. In order to uh, maybe discuss this a little bit more and yeah. get a get a good uh, sense of what 
what led her to repentance. So as she herself is recounting to Father Zosimus, who then recounts right. and uh, you know, so on and so forth, and that's how we get it, um, she says, having repeated my attempt to get in, in other words, three or four times, at last I felt exhausted and had had no more strength to push and to be pushed. So I went aside and stood in a corner of the porch, just exhaustion. It gave wore, up. It wore her out. It wore her out, right? And only then, only after she had come to this point, with great difficulty, it began to dawn on me. And I began to understand the reason why I was prevented from being admitted to see the life-giving cross. And this is the word that really struck me. The word of salvation gently touched the eyes of my heart and revealed to me that it was my unclean life which barred the entrance to me. I began to weep and lament and beat my breast and to sigh from the depths of my heart. And so I stood weeping when I saw above me the icon of the Most Holy Mother of God. And turning to her my bodily and spiritual eyes, I said, and then she goes on to say this beautiful prayer of mm -hmm. repentance to the Mother of God, which you can find in the, in the life, and I would highly recommend anybody interested to, yeah. to take a look so just to kind of trace the the experience that she had here right yeah. she she she's she's totally out of it she's she's totally held captive by her passions by by her sinful life right um, she's just in another world in that regards and why she's going into this church God only knows she's maybe drawn by an well, she was force. probably Bat born she was Christian. she was baptized yeah so yeah. i'm i'm sure she she had some sort of it wasn't like she was like today like like an anti-religious person right. probably no definitely not you There's know maybe some sort of problems exactly a lot of problems <laughs> you know if it, from was, starting from 12 yep yeah you probably have some issues <laughs> yep yep you know so yeah something was drawing her she attempted again and again and again to get in then she was just she stood aside in a corner. She was exhausted. And it was only then this kind of moment of, you know, I give up, right? Right. That it, it with great difficulty, something was starting to get through to her. This, right. this dawning of, of the light into her sinful soul um, as to why she was being prevented. But the real kind of crux of the moment, I think, lies in this incredible description of um, the quality of the word of salvation that touched her heart or the eyes of her heart. Right. Qualitatively, it was gentle. The word of salvation gently touched the eyes of my heart and revealed to me mm. that it was my unclean life which barred the entrance to me. Um, and I'll just come out and say it that I think in reading this, it gave me a real sense of hope and 
peace and joy and beauty because I think, you know, with all the topics that we've been discussing so far, humility, faith, I think we're trying to get at the, the, the deeper meaning, the real meaning of it. Yeah. And that, you know, on the surface level, there can be all these misunderstandings or kind of distorted perceptions of things. And I think with repentance, one of those distortions can come with this sense of, well, you know, if I, you should feel guilty mm-hmm. about things, right? The sense of guilt um, and, you know, that we often have when we sure. think we've done something wrong or when or we have when, done, when we have done yeah, something yeah. wrong. And, but we also know that guilt doesn't always come when it's something wrong. Sure. It's, it could also come, you know, based on this idealized Expectations, image, this yeah. expectation yeah, yeah, yeah. that I should have done it this way because I should be perfect. Right. And therefore I feel guilty that I'm not perfect. Right. Right. So yes, that's sinful in the sense that it's, it's kind of revealing this underlying pride of mind that, that I think I should be someone so exalted, but it's in a very kind of circuitous and indirect way. So all that to say that, that repentance actually, I think, and I think many people would agree, has very little to do with that feeling of guilt or anxiety that I've done something wrong. The other thing... Yes, please. The other thing that I, I took take away from this is the, um, the lack of uh, the wrath of an angry yes. deity that's going to punish you for being that way. In fact... This is like one of the, you know, she, she's, you know, she's one of the worst. One of the worst of the worst. <laughs> and, and, and instead it's a softness and a, and a comfort, again, paradox. Yeah. And, you know, and in, instead of like the preacher that, or, you know, that was there condemning whoever or maybe her, you know, whatever. Instead it's, it's, it's this internal, it's just. It, yeah. it's really amazing and it really speaks to that whole just the opposite of what I think you know in the western world and I mean I think even our, in our in our own we humans in, a, in general we assume that you do something bad something somebody's mad at you right you need to be punished because you've done something bad I mean that's just exactly that's just normal yeah. right you get you do something wrong your parents punish you yes then you feel bad, so you don't do it anymore. Right, exactly. <laughs> Whereas nobody told her anything. Yeah. Nobody she, scolded her. Nobody... She hit a wall. Scolded her. How do you say that? Scold? Scolded. Yeah, yeah scold. exactly. I said scolded. Like somebody poured water on her. <laughs> nobody <laughs> definitely... Nobody scolded her. And nobody, nobody scolded, scolded her. her. She was not... She was neither scolded she nor scolded. She was not deformed <laughs> by boiling water. Anyway. <laughs> I'm glad we clarified that, because I was really... <laughs> Anyway, yeah. Yeah, no nobody nobody condemned her. God didn't condemn her. I mean, he pointed it out through a mystical way. His desire was never to condemn her. His, right. his desire, God's desire is that all should be saved. Yeah. So any punishment or any suffering that she experienced as a result of her way of life was not per se the direct result of God's action God allowed it for her salvation but it was really a, the natural consequence the natural result of her sinful way of life she because of her impurity 
and her sinful way of life, she could not enter that church. Right, right, right. right. You know, she was being blocked. And, but that, that sense of hitting this wall yeah. of the kind of, which is more of the traumatic uh, experience that we can have in life of hitting rock bottom or of kind of, yeah. you know, coming to this point of just giving up. Yeah. Right? That That is such an essential moment of giving up on our own human that's attempts, an, right? Yeah, that's another thing I love about it is that, I, I, I mean, I don't doubt that that happened, that she just couldn't go in. Right. But let's say that didn't happen. And it doesn't matter. Right. The, the point of the story, <laughs> whether something, some sort of mysterious force kept her from going in or didn't keep her from, or she went in and she just realized yep. all this stuff. Yep. Either way, the the moral of the story, the miracle still happened. The right? miracle still happened. Yeah, the miracle of her right her repentance. Right. Regardless of the details, and I and 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 that's you know and that's so true with so many things, including you know the Old Testament. I mean, you know the the and the lives of the saints. You know what happened? Did this really happen? Did that really happen? It doesn't really really matter anyway. Time yeah. tangent, but, but no, no. still. Um, yeah, what what was what actually happened? Yeah, what actually wall? happened doesn't truly matter exactly. Yeah. yeah, what does matter is that she was guided in some way, or maybe you know, illumined in some way to realize, you know, or maybe she was already coming to that conclusion. Sure. How old was she at this point? Do you know? Do we know? Um, well, she spent forty years in the desert. Yeah, I don't think I don't think there's any sense from her from that life um, yeah well she's she spent 47 young. years after she repented right. right so yeah she must have been still I mean certainly not as young as 12 but probably maybe in her 20s or something yeah maybe yeah yeah so yeah so she wasn't worn out right that's her that's young right you know so she's still in her prime of life you know right. you know so that you know that's just well so so you're you're you get what I'm your your point is interesting and I, I think it, it is worth a little bit of a, a side exploration which is just sure. this question of um, when we read the lives of the saints and things like yeah. that and and you know we, we receive certain certain messages both about the, their persons and also about the nature of life and the world itself right in the sense that we've got this personal, conversion and repentance story mm-hmm. right um, and then we also have this kind of supernatural yeah. miraculous um, encounter that she has yeah. or you know literal encounter where she's uh, yeah. hitting, hitting a wall <laughs> a oh, an invisible wall <laughs> right uh, uh, you know this, this kind of force that's uh, keeping her out yeah and uh, we live in a secular age well we live in a secular age, and so I, I think it's it, it's important for us to acknowledge that, and it's important for us to acknowledge the the kind of fragilization of our faith that comes as a result of this kind of demystified, um, de de sanctified. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like like everything is mechanized and kind of oh, scientifically explained. Right. We've in, we're we're enlightened now, so oh, yes. anything about the supernatural is kind of like, eh, what is that all about? That's nothing. Or right. That's just, you know. So let's just acknowledge. If you right. Mean. Let's just acknowledge for a moment that in reading that account, and and in 
kind of coming up against this phenomenon mm -hmm. that we read about as far as her hitting this wall, there's going to be a little angst, a little anxiety in our rationalistic, yeah. secular mind as to what was that? And do we even believe that that's possible? Um, is the supernatural really real or is it just yeah. some psychological phenomenon? Uh, uh, I, I think I, I grew up hearing this story. So for me, I just accepted it immediately. Right. You know, I heard about it since the time I was a little kid. Right. Yeah. These spiritual phenomena right. that spir we read about phenomenon, right. in, in, in the lives of the saints and elsewhere, um, they're just that. They're phenomena. They're things that happen right. and occur in the natural world that sort of go against the natural order. I, yeah, and I think and I think that the other that the right. And that's what that's the whole point is that God can intervene in this world. Right. And and you know, somebody might ask, well why her? Why her? Surely there's other people I mean yeah. in the history of the world that have uh, you know done what she did, stuff yes. like that. And we're able to walk into a church. You know, maybe she was used as an example for us. Right. You know, the yes. extreme measure of having that force yes. keep her from coming out and that then her rest of her life because he knew that she'd be open right. to accepting. Yes. So so it wouldn't happen to somebody else due to their, they just wouldn't get it. Right. They, yeah, exactly. So you know, she maybe. was predisposed. She to, was predisposed. Because even if, yeah, even if the most miraculous supernatural things happen to you. Right. If you're not properly predisposed right. to them, you could be like, oh, that was just a... a weird. Yeah. Or I just want to keep doing what I'm doing. Right. And so God, exactly. God, I mean, that's why he chose Paul, right? He didn't just choose anybody. He knocked him off the horse and blinded him. Right. Because, like, I, you're, you're going to be good at this. Yes. You're going to be good at spreading the truth of, you know. Yep. And if I remember correctly, in that account, everybody else heard that as though at the, the, the revelation that Paul experienced as though it were, like, thunder or something like that. Like, it, I don't remember in Acts. I think we'd have to look it up. But right, right. there's that. If I recall correctly, there was this kind of you know, other people sort of perceived it as something else. more kind Instead of... Instead of hearing the voice. Yeah, that it wasn't, it wasn't, it didn't mean anything to them. He had other people with him. There were other people around. Okay, yeah. Maybe I'm digging myself into a hole because I don't, I, I have a little bit too much of a vague recollection. Citation needed. Imperfect podcast, right? Oh, I'm not going to pretend <laughs> like I know everything. Okay? All right. So, um, um, but so so this is a really great question I think is is as far as um, with these supernatural phenomena right what do we do with them yeah. as modern people mm -hmm. uh, who are also striving to be modern people of faith um, and I think one thing that I'd like to throw out there that you could respond to is I wonder that you know with this anxiety that can arise as a result of our rational minds kind of doubting and you know disbelieving the plausibility of supernatural things happening to begin with right? right I think the quality of gentleness right that we read about yeah, in yeah, this yeah. word of salvation the word of salvation gently touched the eyes of my heart right I think there's something really crucial about yeah. gentleness I completely in our agree. modern age in particular but perhaps in, over the course of the centuries in general yeah. but something about gentleness that allows us 
to access the supernatural through in the midst of this anxious environment anxious rationalistic environments in which we live right so you know i'm like what the heck is this this wall that she hits right okay i'm just gonna i'm not gonna accept it and i'm not gonna reject it i'm just gonna let it be for a second yeah but then i'm gonna focus on my own inner disposition be and 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 on this quality of, of gentleness right and there's something about that that allows me to sort of enter into the the realm of the supernatural or, or the realm of God's presence and to kind of pierce through or to bypass that that wall of rationalistic anxiety so so one way of looking at this and I think the whole guilt complex yeah is actually somehow bound up in this whole secularized rationalistic way of looking at the sure. world because it, it's it's something of the mind yeah it's a static image idealized image of who i ought to be what the world ought to be right. this kind of pride of mind you could say yeah and so how do i how do i repent of this pride of mind yeah. that manifests itself through guilt and through rationalistic anxiety right maybe that's the connection yeah and i think the word of salvation for us and literally for what what saint mary received which is word for word it says the word of salvation that she received in that moment was a gentle word yeah that's immensely powerful because again like i think we were coming full circle nobody chastised her nobody berated her telling her you're uh, not even her own mind right even her own mind that those kind of like oh you should have done this or how could you you know this this, you know, as yeah. psychologists call it, the regret orientation, where, where I'm constantly beating myself up for, you know, all these things that I didn't do perfectly in the right, past, right. right? Which, again, if you're not careful, that can become your definition of repentance. Right. If I just beat myself up enough right. for all these horrible things that I did, yeah. then I'll somehow win God's mercy, Yeah. right? And I don't think it, that's repentance. It's a little off topic, but it does remind me of Martin Luther. I'm in no a citation. I am in no way a scholar on Martin Luther, but I do know that for, that he would go to conf- like he'd oh, go yeah. to confession, get up, about to leave, yep. turn around, and go Something right like back five times a day. Oh yeah. yeah, like he he was so. What's the word? He was beating himself right. up. Self-deprecating. He probably had some psychological issues, but sure. Regardless, he um, he was self-deprecating and 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 just couldn't get past the concept that he was sinful. And he, you know, he just the, the confession didn't work. I have to do it again. Sure, sure. <laughs> and and I think that this is a person who literally just came to the realization. Ah, it's 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 amazing. Yeah. It's really amazing. And it's the opposite of everything that we think. And this person was one of the worst people. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Now, does that mean that from then on, she lived a blissful, oh, no. you know, utopian, paradisical life on Earth? Quite the opposite, actually. Quite the opposite. We, <laughs> we see that she was sort of tempted and tormented and and kind of dragged about by her her former way of life her te- you know by the by the devil by the evil one by do we, do we know of the temptations that she went through yes in the desert? i mean it, it does it the, the story does um recount some of and she herself recounts some of the in, intense experiences that she had kind of getting beaten up by these 
these sensual temptations and and crying out to the mother of God uh, for for help and waiting on the ground until she receives some sort of you know aid and so it's this kind of fierce battle um, that she underwent for 47 years of self-deprivation and of, of repentance uh, so there's no way in which you know this gentle moment was sort of a one-and-done kind of thing but it started with the gentle moment right it did not start with a violent yeah, you're, guilt te- you're terrible right. you suck you're it started awful. with the sweetness of this gentle word of salvation um, which was simultaneously a call to wake up and say wow I've not been doing things right mm. you know so repentance is so different than these kind of psychological guilt complexes that we can throw ourselves into yeah um, it's it's so sweet it starts yeah. with a sweetness even when it's casting light on the errors of our ways yeah. right um, and it and it affects the eyes of our heart sure. in this gentle way you know that the word of salvation God himself gently touches the eyes of our heart and reveals to us our past right. you know yeah no I, I think that uh, there's a reason why she's picked for the for the Sunday fifth Sunday if you haven't if you haven't read her life you you know you listening you should yes I think it's an inspiration to anybody you know who I mean even you know even if not everybody has done to the degree she has or maybe maybe you have <laughs> I don't I don't know um, you know there are I know there are people in this world that do live like that I mean there are you know certain industries where people that's what that's their job even yes and on another note it reminds me of a story from the life of Saint Nectarios actually after his life of the nun of the woman who who was gonna meet a man she was on a bus and the bus broke down by the monastery and then she smelled the fragrance and then she went up to the monastery and wept and it was they were uh, I think they were taking Saint Nectarios out they were exhuming him to see if he had decomposed and she literally just fell on the floor and wept and somebody nearby said look a prostitute or a whore, you know in weeping or whatever she ended up becoming a nun there and living there for the rest of her life powerful so I mean it, it right it, it's not just then 2000 years ago about 2000 but it can happen now and it and it's a and and it's also not a, a fire and brimstone story which i think is so important yep. for the modern especially western world but but even for everybody yep and uh i think that concludes this episode it certainly does of the very imperfect podcast <laughs> thank you for listening thank you <laughs>